Hello everyone, welcome to Cricket with an Accent. It's been a while uh, since we spoke at this forum. This is Saqib, your host. Today I'm joined by uh, a perennial analyst, uh, Sanket Singhbal from Goa, and also Bharat Ramraj making his second appearance. So we have a lot to catch up. Welcome, guys. Yeah, after a long time. Yeah, so let's not waste any, you know, any introduction because I think uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast knows you both. So let uh, let me ask you, Bharat, first. Uh, India drew this series, and uh, uh, rightfully so. This is seen as a monumental achievement. Uh, just uh, what's what's your uh, recollection of what happened two weeks ago? This Australian side is not one of their best sides for sure. It can actually even the batting lineup is one of the most weaker ones since the Greg Chappell era ended and Alan Border era started. So I know you are a bit of a historian. So. Uh, put that in perspective. This is India's 11th tour and they came out, you know, the winners uh, 2-1. Should have won Sydney if weather did not intervene. Uh, talk us about that. How big is that and how do you measure it up against previous teams? So you were saying it's a monumental achievement? Yeah, it's a memorable achievement. See, uh, to go to or to travel to Australia and uh, win there, it's still a memorable achievement. Even if you consider that this Australian team is not a good one. Of course, it's a very average side. And perhaps the batting unit is comparable to the 1977 uh, team that played against India uh, without Parker Stars. But still to take 20 wickets... Uh, on those decks, it's not so easy. So, and India have a very good bowling attack. You look at the current attack; they have uh, Bumrah. Of course, I think he's an exceptional bowler. He's, he's very different in the sense that uh, batsmen seem to pick his length sort of uh, late, and he has that pace. He hits the bat hard. So, he, he led the attack beautifully. That Sishan Sharma has developed a lot. His wrist position looks very good these days, and and he can get a little bit of uh, swing with the old ball. And pretty much all Indian pace attack outballed uh, Australian paces on on all fronts in terms of uh, contrast swing they were getting or in terms of sea movement that they were getting that that was a bit of a surprise because Australian paces are usually good at that and they also hit uh, very good lengths and then they have a very good bowling coach in uh, Bharat Tarunus seems to guide them well so it's, it's still a great achievement and then there was uh, Pujara with all those runs he, he was uh, like the wall of uh, the Indian cricket team for in this series mm. uh, yes it, it's uh, you can you have to say that the current Austin side they're uh, going through a tough phase uh, but uh, it's still a very monumental achievement. Maybe I, I, you can argue that maybe the 2007 8 uh, side that uh, India had against a very good Austin setup uh, that was uh, very hard, hard fought series and uh, a good result for India, even in 2034 when they do the series 1 all. Uh, and if you go back in time, maybe somewhere in 85 to 6, India could have won the Test Series, but uh, Rain intervened and Ellen Border played that, uh, just uh, believe it or not, innings. Uh, still, if if you compare across eras, uh, to win in Australia after 71 years of mm-hmm. uh, drought, it's, it's uh, still a very memorable achievement and it will be chronicled in history for uh, a long time to come. Absolutely. Don't want to take anything away. But these kind of series always you know, produce, if this is the greatest Indian team or is this unit the best Indian unit that has traveled abroad and their mindset. So, Sanket, let me frame the same question to you in a slightly different manner. I know we've spoken at length about this. 
and Anand, who is also part of this podcast, not joining today, was making a point to me, like the 2003 Steve Wallet side, which was his last series, when Ganguly and his men drew the series, even though Australian bowling was lacking McGrath and uh, Vaughan, and they only had uh, Lee and Gillespie play one of the four tests. He said Indian bowling was going against against an all-time great Aussie batting lineup, and in a test match, you know, that's the bat and ball contest complements both sides. So that being said, he said, let's not shortchain that series. Granted, Australia didn't have their bowlers, but India was bowling against one of the best possible, you know, modern day batting lineups. So how do you compare that achievement? Uh, well, I think it's very difficult to uh, compare, I think, the two of them, because at the end of the day, I think a series win is a series win, uh, irrespective of the quality of the opposition. And, you know, yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's not the fault of the current Indian side. They're, they're not up against a very strong Australian unit. You can only beat, beat what is in front of you. So I guess, I mean, a series win is a series win. And as Bharat said, you know, th- this win will be etched in in Indian cricket history forever. Because, I mean, even if they win, continue to win in Australia thereafter, I think the first time is always, you know, always the most special one. So, yeah, I mean, as far as, the you know, you know purely in terms of quality of cricket, I would say, I mean, I think obviously that Australian side was far superior. I mean, even despite the not having probably the best bowling attack, I mean that that attack uh, that that side had a far better batting lineup. As you said, I think that, that I think that was probably uh, yeah the Australian side at their absolute peak as far as batting is concerned. You know, Ricky Ponting was in great form that series. They had Damian Martin, Matthew Heeran, Justin Langer, Adam Gilchrist. I think that that was a terrific batting lineup. And uh, let's not forget that that was the same side that actually beat India in India. Uh, a few months later, so obviously I think you know, when you, and, and when you view it in that context, I think that uh, I think that that series probably you know you probably have to rate it probably slightly higher. I think you know purely in terms of quality. But as I said, I mean you can't really you know probably hypothesize how this side would have matched up to that side because you can only beat what is in front of you. And I think I think I, I definitely think irrespective of the quality of the batting lineup that they bowl to, I think this Indian attack is. Definitely far superior to what they had in 2003-04 because in 3-4, even though they drew the series, they only really you know, had one great spell with the ball. That is Ajit Agarkar, you know, bowling Australia out at Adelaide in the third innings. Yeah, whereas in this series, even though they were up against a very weak Australian lineup, I thought the consistency that they showed with the ball throughout the series and they were very relentless. I think it reminded me of uh, England in 2010-11 when they similarly dominated. Uh, probably a weak, a weak Australian side, probably not quite as weak as this one, but it was again a, a struggling Australian side, and, and they completely outclassed them. I think uh, this this was a pretty similar level of performance from India in terms of the level of dominance. So, yeah, I think one of the finest bowling performances that I've ever seen by a visiting side in Australia. And as far as the batting is concerned, uh, India obviously had a better batting lineup. I think three, four. Uh, this lineup, I mean. Kohli, Virat Kohli had a decent series, probably not quite to the standards that we were expecting. Pujara, I think, obviously, uh, the star of the show. And probably, you know, you had asked me the question before the series whether he would score 100. Well, I think there's your answer. Uh, and, yeah, obviously, I think the rest of the lineup, Mayank Agarwal coming in uh, on debut on, on Boxing Day and playing three high-quality innings under pressure. Uh, the top, top-class stuff from India. Yeah, so... 
I mean, I'm only raising this question, Bharat and Sanket, because Ravi Shastri said this is one of the uh, probably the best touring side, and this achievement is bigger than the World Cup. But yeah, no short changing Kohli and his men because first time is always special and Pujara and Bumrah are the architects of this historic win. So let's go back to Bharat and uh, about Cheteshwar Pujara. Uh, this man was under you know some sort of pressure. You know he didn't play well in the county stint, even though. Uh, some of the English writers I spoke to told me when he was batting and he accumulated that average of 14.90. Uh, the ball does a lot of tricks in the month of May and he had some of the very tough conditions in Yorkshire. Doesn't explain why he didn't score much. But his dropping in the first test was still a surprise. He comes back, gets run out at Lords, but then he came back strongly to score 100 in one of those matches in England. But now he comes to Australia. There was still some sort of uncertainty if he'll get more looks than two. But uh, he kind of, you know, became the architect of this famous win. So, did you see more confidence in his approach, Bharat, after he scored that 100 in Adelaide? Because I saw his defense became more compact. He started scoring runs at will, even by at his own pace. So, walk us through the transformation of Pujara after Adelaide. What you saw in his technique and some sort of freedom in his batting. See, Pujara obviously reigned supreme throughout through the course of the series. In the Adelaide test, obviously showed... Good technique in the sense that the ball was seeming around early on in the first innings. Uh, one point uh, can notice about Pujara is that perhaps he was able to play that incoming delivery a lot better this time around. Losling paces also weren't at their best in that sense, you can say. They didn't exactly target him uh, with that inward angle. Uh, and yes, he rotated the strike a lot better. And after that, obviously, see, Pujara is someone who has deep reservoirs of patience. So he has a few limitations in terms of his technique. Uh, when when Pujara first came, they sort of compared him to Dravid. Yes, he's, he's not a, uh, someone with a textbook technique like Rahul Dravid, but what he has is he has deep reservoirs of patience. So he can just sort of uh, uh, negate the threat of opposition bowlers by. Uh, sort of defending, blocking, blocking all the time. And uh, Australian fast bowlers also perhaps, uh, yeah, this time around weren't at their best, you can say that. Uh, and at the MCG, they, that, was a, that was a sort of uh, different track. It was not a hard, uh, typical track that you get in Australia. It was a very slow track that got slower, slower, and lower. So on that sort of pitch, I think uh, Pujara is someone. You expect him to score runs because he has that sort of game for that kind of pitch where you have to show that kind of patience to bat through long periods without scoring runs. Those conditions demand you to do that. And Australian batsmen didn't have that for, for those conditions at the MCG. And again at the SCG, uh, in those conditions, you have to, on occasions, uh, get through periods where you don't score runs, uh, where you don't score runs, maybe. So, again, had that patience for uh, those two sort of uh, pitches. As far as English conditions are concerned, see, uh, when he played for Yorkshire, he definitely did a lot early on in the season. I watched a couple of games by YouTube. He definitely swung a lot. I remember Sam Curran uh, getting to swing uh, big. So, not sure that uh, average of 14... Or 15 or whatever uh, doesn't uh, give an apt picture of uh, how Pujara was perhaps playing at that time. So yes, uh, he was definitely the uh, one of the cornerstones of uh, India's 
win in this uh, test is uh, is best knock obviously was in adelaide where he was able to uh, sort of uh, negate the threat of fostering paces early on it was seeming around up front and uh, that is when he showed that he has the technique to not just handle this conditions that are uh, sort of slow and low but also movement of the pitch mm. All right, so let's talk about some of the other batsmen here, Sanket, from India's point of view. I know you're eager to talk more about Australia. We'll get to them. So what does the series do for Rahane? He had a couple of good cameos. He looked positive as far as I'm concerned, but you need to score. You need to convert. He looked good for a 29 or an 18, but then got either a beauty or played an aggressive shot. Where does this leave him? He's also out of the ODI mix of things. So does he have you know enough of a leash after this series because not many changes will happen? Or you think... His time, you know, is kind of be is going to be a little limited because Pujara has secured his spot now, and uh, Rohit Sharma is in the mix, Vihari is in the mix. Where does this leave Aj- Ajinkya Rahane in India's middle order? I think I think I think he nailed it because I think the series win will probably give him uh, a more more of a leeway because I think India lost that series and lost the series despite Pujara scoring runs and Virat Kohli scoring runs. And I think Rahane, I think the spotlight would have probably been on Rahane. But now that India won, now that India won the series, I think you know people have probably you know, forgotten that Rahane has had actually had a quite a quite an ordinary overseas cycle by his standards. I mean, uh, we all know that he's, he's not the greatest batsman in subcontinental conditions, but overseas uh, there was a lot of problems. He was dropped for Rohit Sharma at the start of the series in South Africa. How can you drop your most reliable batsman overseas and all that? But uh, Rahane's performances since then haven't quite. You know, justified that billing that he uh, carried, probably starting uh, leading into this cycle of overseas matches. There is there are still a couple of series to go uh, as far as our, uh, India playing outside of the continent is concerned. They've got a test series, and the next the, the next test series against the West Indies, uh, which you know even though the conditions in the West Indies these days are probably you know more, more you know, subcontinental, but uh, over the last couple of years I think the ball has been steaming around a, a bit more. Uh, they use the Duke's ball as well, so I think uh, Rahane might might have some value there. Uh, this, uh, I, 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 and as I said, I, I don't expect him to be dropped because purely because they have won the series. I think he'll definitely get that series. Uh, and, and after that, I think I believe they've got a home series against South Africa, and, and after that they tour New Zealand, and yeah, I think in early 2020, and then they again tour in Australia. Uh, in just a space of a couple of years uh, in late 2020. So uh, there is still plenty of credit coming up for India overseas over the next couple of years. Uh, but I think Rahane, I think he'll probably start the next series, but he probably needs to start delivering very soon if he's going to stay in the side much longer. he have to start scoring runs at home because India now has got a plethora of options for us. Hanuma Vihari showed promise in the series, and there is Chumman Gill who's. who's, who's Absolutely carrying about the Ranji Trophy, I believe. And it's just been included in the ODI side for to tour New Zealand as a replacement for KL Rahul. So clearly the selectors have him in the mix and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's introduced into the test, test setup soon as well. And even Rohit Sharma actually had a decent series in Australia. Uh, so I, I think he'll probably continue to remain in the mix as well. So there is plenty of competition for middle order sports now, especially if India continue to play five bowlers. Uh, at home especially because Pujara and Kolia, I don't think there's anything that needs to be said about them. So that basically anybody with only one middle order spot and with Rishabh Pant doing well as a batsman, 
at number six. I think India will probably be encouraged to play uh, play play the five bowler option more often at home because you you've got three quality spinners and then you can probably have Charlie and Bumrah as different teamers. So I think that will be a very tempting option for Virat Kohli to employ in the home season. So yeah, I think it's very very stiff competition for sports as far as Indian middle order is concerned. Okay, uh, Sanket, hang on. Looks like uh, Bharat is sounding fine. Are you moving or are you? I don't know because your sound is coming in and out. In the beginning, you were sounding fine. Okay, yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Say uh, something. You could hear that, right? Yeah, I can yeah. hear. It was back and forth, but it's like either were you moving back and forth something or maybe uh, okay, okay. because this microphone will pick up everything. So just try to be still. All right, all right, all right. This is better. Yeah. Okay, so let's yeah. resume. So, Bharat, let's uh, talk to you Do you want about. Me to talk, talk, or, yeah. No, we are resuming. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, analysis, Sanket. Uh, Bharat, my next question to you is: When IPL started, a lot of the purest fans in India thought like Test cricket is going to be a dying art. But you know, from Virat Kohli to Pujara to Rahane to Mayank Agarwal to Vihari, we seem to have a lot of depth. Unlike other countries, other countries seem to be struggling to find the balance. So I know you both follow the pulse of many domestic tours, but it looks like our Ranji Trophy is doing something right because India has, I think, the most powerful bench in Test cricket right now. Is it fair to say that, Bharat? Yeah, you can uh, say that India definitely have uh, good strength in the good uh, backup uh, strength in terms of their batting. And uh, one point you have to also consider is that uh, they do. Go go with the A tours. There are A tours as well to countries like New Zealand, England. I think this helps with the Dravid as the mentor. I definitely feel that has helped players like uh, Mayank Agarwal to come to the ranks. Uh, he has also played a role in that uh, regard. As far as Ranji Trophy is concerned, yeah, it's, it's pretty decent. The the standard is pretty decent. Yes, they have added some new teams and uh, you see some unusual scores uh, these days. Uh, but uh, yeah, some of the matches that I saw this time around uh, live and uh, the standard of Ranji Trophy was... Uh, quite good. You have uh, even in terms of bowling, you have bowlers like Kanike Chaudhary, this Tanvir Ulhak, where these two guys have bowled ball superbly for Rajasthan. Uh, you still have, of, of course, he's, he's not going to play for India, but you still have someone like Vinay Kumar carrying through. He still gets a little bit of subtle movement and gets wickets. Uh, look around, uh, there are some uh, fine bowlers going around. So, uh, and you have uh, obviously young ballers like uh, Mavi, who is quite quick. Uh, there is uh, Nagar Kote, uh, unfortunately, is out injured. So, yeah, Avesh Khan is there. Yeah, the, the, the standard is uh, decent. Obviously, there are lots of good batsmen coming through as well. Uh, so, Ranji Trophy, you can arguably say it is uh, perhaps uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, uh, in terms of standards of uh, domestic cricket going around. Hmm. All right, so let's talk about Australia. Sanket, I know we've spoken about uh, in uh, Twitter DMs and even sometimes chatted. What's going on in the Sheffield Shield? What's the bench strength looking like? Because when I started following cricket in the mid 80s, I remember Australian batting lineup boasting players like Greg Ritchie and Mike Valletta. And I think we are going back to those days, but even that lineup had the likes of Dean Jones and David Boone and a young Steve Waugh and Alan Border. So there was a nucleus. But right now, you take Steve Smith out. Uh, this doesn't look a very promising unit for batting. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think if if you remember our conversation prior to the series, I think I had predicted an Australian win because um, I probably underestimated the Indian bowling a little bit on these wickets. But yeah, I think Australia's batsmen, I think definitely were very disappointing in this series. Uh, and as you rightly pointed out, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot coming uh, coming through the domestic ranks as well. I think I think this 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 can probably be one of the you know. Uh, Probably one of the ill, Ill effects of having only a six-team domestic competition. You know, even though the standard is generally pretty high because uh, only the only the best get an opportunity. But when you when so so few players are playing, um, uh, then I think probably li- limits the scope of the competition a little bit as well. You know, Ranji Trophy is what like 35 or 40 teams, I think. Uh, so yeah, standard uh, standard of one particular team might not be as high as the uh, as the Sheffield Shield, for example. But when you've got so many teams, I think you just you, you, have, you have so many more players playing. Uh, the chances of finding out, uh, getting a few, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you probably need just 15 to 20 players to have a really good side at international level. So I think when you have such a large pool of players, the chances of uh, getting getting that squad of 15 to 20 is probably a bit higher. So I think Australia definitely need to reconsider uh, the, the the plan for the Sheffield Shield. I, I'm not too sure that you know they should be expanding the team. So Anything that sort because uh, I mean, Ashokhi Field has pretty much always been played with six teams and it's worked all right. But uh, they probably need to reconsider the scheduling part of it because currently the Sheffield Field is play, being played in the margins of the season. And, uh, it is played, it's played in October and November, and then the prime time of the season, which is December and January, is is used up by the, uh, the lucrative Big Bash T20 League, and, and then they again play in February and March. Which is towards the latter half of the season. So basically, players uh, are not getting to play Test cricket at a time when the Test Test team is playing a home series, which also creates a problem for the selectors when it comes to selections and uh, bringing in players who are informed the domestic game uh, to bolster the Test lineup. Um, and and uh, I think it's also unfair to the first class specialists, in someone like Matt Renshaw or Joe Burns, for example. Probably not really regulars for that big red bash size. They've, they've pushed two, two and a half months without any cricket, and, and you tend to lose lose rhythm a little bit. Obviously, if you're out of form, then it, some, sometimes a little bit of break might also help. But in general, I, I do believe that such a lengthy break in your first class season does more harm than good. And Australia's results, I think, over the, over the last seven or eight years in test cricket, uh, I think, clearly reflect that. Not so much the results, but I think. Uh, I think we can just look at the number of quality batsmen that Australia have emerged. Uh, I mean, Steve Smith made his test debut in 2010. David Morner made his test debut in 2011. And you know, those two are probably the only batsmen who have played more than 25, uh, more than more than 50 tests for Australia. Usman Khawaja has been there, there thereabouts, but hasn't quite, you know, really cemented his place. Uh, I, I was expecting this to really be the making of this summer to really be the making of Khawaja. But uh, he he was very disappointing against India. So yeah, I mean, uh, clearly there is uh, a, a, an issue with the batting stocks at domestic level, and so yeah, I mean, it's not not it's not looking overly promising. I guess. Definitely. All right, so let's talk about the white ball cricket. India was also victorious in the ODI edition, right? They they, they won the series two one. So Bharat, uh, World Cup with four months. Uh, more than four months away. Uh, that's a very short window. Indian batting middle order has been the talking point because uh, MS Honey, you know, is polarizing the conversation more than ever. He came good in some of these scenarios, but do you think 
uh, the dot balls or in the you know the overall strike rate you think it's conducive if we lose early wickets what is uh, what is a big picture looking like you because uh, there's ambati raidu and there's kedar yadav you think this is uh, this is good enough to win that tournament see ms dhoni at this age uh, one thing you can say is uh, he sort of scores at his own pace so Uh, he needs someone at the other end. He perhaps needs someone at the other end who can score quickly, uh, sort of cameo-like. If you notice, Dinesh Karthik is not just goalie. If you notice, Dinesh Karthik uh, came up with a quick-fire cameo in that uh, second ODI, and that helped Dhoni to pace his innings at his own pace. Uh, as Martin, as the once uh, the wise Martin Crow said, uh, that Vidhej is not. Uh, not not exactly about hand eye coordination it's more about your body sort of slows down uh, your back uh, as well as your hamstring or or your knees as, as well it sort of slows down so it doesn't move as uh, exactly like how you want to so i think that's the issue with dhoni his hands are still quick so he's very good as a wicket keeper but in terms of uh, uh, is batting is is uh, body has sort of slowed down so it's not able to get those really big hits away and as far as rotation of strike is concerned it's not exactly uh, very risky as a batsman uh, so sometimes he sort of hits it straight to the fielder uh, in odi cricket it's mostly defensive fields we have a long off we have a long on sort of the fields so you sh- actually you should be able to rotate the strike slightly better but yes if someone Uh, he works for India. Someone at the other end is scoring very quickly because Dhoni is someone who has that sort of patience and get through difficult situations. As far as Ambati Rai is concerned, he is a, a very good player, excellent player of spin. But I don't think he's uh, that good against pace. Saw that in the first story when the ball was seeming around. Richardson was also getting it, generating a little bit of uh, swing. And Ambati Rai to look. Uh, pretty much out of sorts. Uh, Kedar Jado, I think at number five or six, I think is pretty good. And they have Dinesh Karthik these days. He's, he's a sort of curious batsman because if he comes out of bat, say in the 25th over, 30th over, the score at 120 for two or three, or three or four, he seems to struggle. But if it's about say uh, they need 30 runs in 10 balls, 15 balls, uh, Dinesh Karthik seems to have that sort of. Uh, 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 seems to have that sort of mindset where he can positive mindset where he goes after the bowling. So yes, India have issues. India have some five six gun players, uh, but they have a f- uh, few issues that if if a team batting first say in the World Cup gets a 333 20 and they lose to quick wickets, uh, they may come come under uh, some sort of pressure. Hmm. I think the same question to you for the Australian batting lineup. Uh, Uh, for the World Cup, is Steve Smith in the running uh, to play the World Cup, and uh, what role will a guy like Glenn Maxwell have? Does he add, uh, you know, more depth? Uh, in your opinion, I know he played in the series, but we didn't see much from him. And uh, what other changes could could happen uh, when the Australian squad is announced for the World Cup? As far as batting well, goes, I, uh, as far as Steve Smith is concerned, I, I think there is a lot of uncertainty with regards to his date of return of inter, uh, for international cricket. I think I think it's I think he's expected to be fit for the World Cup, but how many matches he'll he'll be able to play in the lead up to it, and whether he'll be able to play any cricket at all before the squad is announced, I think that that that's a bit of a question mark. So I think that that's I think the selectors will probably have to take a gamble there whether they want to 
Now roll the dice with a guy who hasn't played in you know, international cricket for 12 months and has been injured for the last three or four months. Whether they want to take him to the World Cup because of his experience and his class, uh, uh, even though he's probably not entirely match fit, or you know whether they stick with the guys who've been playing for the last few months, although they haven't really been doing particularly well. So I, I guess that's 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 that that decision will probably depend on how how the next couple of series go for Australia and. Uh, and, and, and I'm not expecting them to go particularly well because we're playing in the subcontinent. We're playing against India in India uh, and Pakistan in the UAE. I mean, Pakistan in the UAE is, I think, probably as tough a batting challenge as it can get for any, any, anybody inside because I think it's probably the one country that ODI cricket is still played as if, uh, as if it was played in the 90s. But 250 is probably a maximum score and spinners generally tend to rule the roast in middle overs. India, as we all know, have got the best bowling attack in the world in ODI cricket, and they'll almost certainly have the speed Bumrah back for that series as well. So, based on how Australia performed against the Indian attack, that was without Bumrah, without Kuldeep Yadav for one of the games at home, I'm not really expecting much from them in India. So, I guess, you know, Steve Smith, despite his injury and despite his lack of match fitness, I think he will probably have to be risked for the World Cup. Uh, David Warner, I think, is also, he's also having a surgery in his elbow, although it's, it's understood to be not as not quite as serious as Steve Smith's. So he might might be available for the one-day series against Pakistan and the UAE. So I'm, I'm expecting him to make the cup, cut for the World Cup. Uh, there, are, there are obviously major question marks for the place uh, in the side uh, of the current captain, Aaron Finch. He's, he's, been, he's not just been getting out cheaply. I think the manner of his dismissals are particularly concerning. I think he's been uh, dismissed bold or LBW in eight out of his last twelve innings or something like that. Uh, even even the big, even in the big bash, he, he had a failure the other day. So I think you know, he, he's he's got four or five big bash games left, I believe, before this side goes to India to play at ODIC. So if he doesn't find any form that in this intervening period, uh, then I think selectors will probably have to take a call in the ODI captaincy as well because you cannot really have someone who's not contributing at all to the side. At the top of the order, as, as a as a captain going to the World Cup, uh, as far as Glenn Maxwell is concerned, I think you know there has been a lot of criticism from ex-players and journalists and you know, fans and all sorts of people about his batting position and that he's batting too low. Uh, I personally, I personally, I actually tend to agree with Justin Langer on this one. I don't think number seven is necessarily a bad position for Glenn Maxwell to bat because I think Glenn Maxwell, as we all know, and you know, when he gets going in, in limited overs, he is someone who's capable of matching winning matches single-handedly on, on a given day. But if you look at his performances with the bat since the 2015 World Cup, he hasn't really been particularly consistent, and, and he hasn't. And he's, he's been getting those uh, handy cameos of winning in their 30s, uh, batting at number five, batting at number six. Um, yeah, but he just hasn't been able to carry on. He's been throwing wickets at inopportune moments. So I think that that is what prompted the, um, the team manager to drop him down the order, where he can probably, be, where, where these kind of cameos are probably likely to be more useful because you don't want someone to come in at number five and you know get 25 or 15 deliveries and then throw his wicket away. Uh, you want someone who can probably play a slightly longer innings. So I think I think what we need to do is I think we need to be flexible with the betting order because if, if you've got a good start and if you're say 200 for one hour after 30 overs then you can probably send Glenn Maxwell at number three but I think if, I think on, on, on most normal days I, I don't think him batting at number seven is necessarily a bad idea 
I think I think it could add, add value there. And I think his bowling also needs to be utilized more. I think his bowling was grossly underutilized in the series by Aaron Finch. He bowled quite well in the one match that he did. That he was given 44 or 5 goals at Adelaide. Uh, I think he out comfortably out bowled Nathan Lyons. So, you know, I think I think he probably needs to be looked at as a spin bowling all rounder, uh, probably in a role somewhat similar to the role that Moin Ali plays for England, rather than as a as a batsman, I guess. The next question is for Bharat, and uh, I want to ask Bharat: uh, Given the World Cup is in England, uh, what's going to be the par score uh, in that kind of a competition uh, starting end of May, and uh, what kind of team compositions? I know India and England bat very deep. Are there any other teams, you know, that will be in contention? I know we are like good four months removed from it, but just talk us, uh, talk to us about, you know, the power score for English conditions and uh, some other teams like Pakistan and South Africa. Whatever comes to your mind, just uh, enlighten the audience here. See, these days uh, in England, they tend to prepare flat tracks. Uh, you mostly see flat tracks since the 2015 World Cup. Yeah, I think the last time I can think of uh, typical English conditions for ODA cricket, uh, generally it would be the 2014 series between Sri Lanka and England when a couple of matches uh, did something where the ball did something off the surface. Uh, the 2008, 2000, uh, the, the, when uh, South Africa travelled to England, in 2017, again, it did a bit in one of the games at Lords, but generally they prepare flat tracks, so you, ex- you can expect uh, scores of, say, 300, 320, or uh, on those lines. And then they use the white kookaburra ball. That white kookaburra ball, obviously, uh, it doesn't do anything, really anything in the air. So, at best, maybe three, four overs of swing you would get. When you think of 99 World Cup, they used Dukes, and it swung crazily. It swung so much that Alain Donald was forced to come in as first change. Uh, it won't happen this time around, that's for sure. And uh, as far as uh, teams are concerned, yes, England, they have a uh, very good side. They have an all-round side. If Jofra Archer comes into the equation, then he might have to bat at number 11. And uh, we know that he can slog a few sixes. So they, have, they bat very deep. India have five, six gun players. Uh, and uh, when, when it comes to the knockout, I think I will definitely back say India or England when it comes to knockout comes to knockout phase because uh, they have that big seem to have that big match experience and then you can think of New Zealand I'm, I'm not sure they'll, uh, they're World Cup contenders in the sense that I don't think they will uh, hoist the trophy but uh, I can see them reaching the semis or on those lines they have Lockie Ferguson for pace uh, he's very fast and uh, there's Matt Henry uh, he's a pretty good uh, bowler for those conditions, especially in modern-day ODA cricket because he hits the deck hard, hits the bat hard. There is strength bolt, there is left-arm option. Uh, Sander is returning as well. There is Ishwati and, have, of course, a good batting lineup. And Kane Williamson is there. Ross Taylor is scoring a lot of runs. Uh, so, they, have, they look... Uh, uh, pretty good there. And then you have Pakistan. Pakistan is sort of sad. I think uh, they need uh, aggressive conditions, slower pitches, where their bowlers can get a little bit of contrast swing or reverse swing. We saw that in the Port Elizabeth ODA against South Africa. Completely choked the South African batsmen in typical Asian conditions. Uh, so if they get such sort of pitches where they can sort of win two games, three games in a row, 
they get some momentum then they can be sort of dangerous south africa i think they have some problems with regard to their all rounders uh, pelo quayo is sort of improving but is still not there pretorius is more of a bowler uh, sort of medium pace bowler uh, then uh, they sort of have long tail because of that they have a gun attack in terms of pace uh, ngidi will definitely return to the setup uh, dale stain is bowling pretty quick again and though of course his odi record isn't exactly great uh, obviously there is uh, rabada so they they have some gun fast bowlers but i don't know how will they go if england can prepare flat tracks and obviously they will miss abd villers's experience uh, even though his record in england odi cricket is in great they will miss his experience so batting will depend a lot on due place yashima amla Uh, yeah, he scored a hundred in the first ODI, though it wasn't a great one. It's uh, not exactly been in the form of his life. Quinton Dickock, of course, scored a hundred in the final test against Pakistan. He seems to have got his form back. But South Africa, David Milner, J.P. Dumney, uh, the kind of batsmen. Yes, they can strike the ball hard, but uh, you don't look at them and think, uh, yes, uh, they can take you home in a sort of. Uh, Uh, big pressure situation. There's a lot of pressure. Out of outside that Australia, they are really struggling. Afghanistan may cause a couple of upsets, maybe two three upsets somewhere. Mm. Uh, and then you have West Indies and Sri Lanka. <laughs> West Indies basically they have some good players. Hetmyer is coming through, but uh, I don't see them you know, doing well. But Sri Lanka really struggling as a setup. Good. All right. So let's go back to Sanket now. Sanket, I know uh, we still stick with Australia with you. One more question. I know we spoke about Mitchell Stark a lot, uh, how he is overrated uh, or hasn't performed, to be more polite, in the red ball format. But is he still an integral member of the white ball cricket? Because I personally am a big fan. I think he his yorkers are pretty deadly in this format. How do you view him as a weapon in the Australian scheme of things? And is he, you know, one of your top spearheads for Australia? Potentially, yes. I think uh, yeah, I think if Australia to have any any sort of chance in the World Cup, I think we need Mitchell Stark bowling probably as well as he did in 2015, or probably even better, because the rest of the side is you know, heavily declined compared to what we had back then. So I think we'll probably need Mitchell Stark at his best, and then some if we're going to compete in the World Cup. But you know, if if you're talking about his actual performances since the last World Cup, then I think even ODI cricket his performances haven't been all that great. He's, I think since since the 2015 World Cup against the top six opposition, Mitchell Stark averages something like 33 with the ball in ODI cricket and has an economy rate of some close to 5.6. For a guy who's got an overall average of something like 20 and an economy rate of under five, I think these are you know starkly contrasting numbers, uh, and you know, that clearly shows that he hasn't really been at his best since the highs of of 2015. I think. I think I think there are slightly mitigating factors here as well because he has been injured quite often and has often been rested from ODI series uh, to prepare to prepare for test matches and that that's probably has affected his rhythm a little bit as far as white ball cricket is concerned because he barely plays any white ball cricket outside the limited overs matches that he plays for Australia because he, he I don't think he's played a big bash match for what five or six years. He doesn't get to play the JLT 50 overs cup either. He hasn't played the IPL since 2015. So he's clearly short on match practice as well when it comes to the white ball 
format and as Bharat rightly pointed out, I think the game has changed quite a lot even compared to the 2015 World Cup, which was quite high scoring in the first place. But I think the game has probably gone you know, to another level as far as big scores are concerned since then. And Australian bowlers, I think, due to probably a combination of injuries, resting, probably a little bit of bad luck as well. Uh, but they somehow haven't really caught up with the demands of uh, one-day cricket. So we still have some games. I mean, we still have 10 games. And I hope Mitchell Stark will play all 10 of them. Uh, obviously, uh, fitness permitting. Uh, and hopefully, he can get back that rhythm as, uh, as a white ball bowler. Pat Cummins, again, uh, not, 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 not quite as great uh, limited overs bowler as he is in test match cricket. But again, I think, like Stark, he hasn't really been helped with the fact that Australia is, uh, you know, he hasn't been able to play a lot of ODI cricket on a consistent basis. So I think if those two uh, can get some good quality white ball cricket uh, in their legs before the World Cup, and we've got Jai Richardson has showed a lot of promise in his first series uh, against India. Um, so I think if, if, if we can get these three guys uh, performing well together, because Josh Hazelwood is injured and He's probably uh, in, in a race against time to, to be fit for the World Cup, so I'm, I'm not too sure if he will even make the squad. So I think if these, these three, I think, are the ones that will probably have to back up on for the World Cup. So if these three can you know, get some good quality white ball cricket in their legs for the World Cup and start functioning well as a group, I think we can probably you know, cause some damage. And I think the key issue for Australia with just the bowling is in limited overs cricket as well is, is, is their inability to find a quality spinner because the 2015 World Cup was largely won in the back of the pace attack. Uh, that was at home, obviously, and the ODI cricket was obviously uh, a different sport back then. Uh, whereas nowadays, you, it, you know, getting by without having quality wrist spinner in limited overs cricket is almost unthinkable because you know pretty much every team, even 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 teams like New Zealand, have almost never been known for having wrist spinners in their ranks. Now have two of them in their ODI sports. So you know, Australia definitely need to probably invest in Adam Zampa. There is Fawad Ahmed as well has been doing well in the big fast league. So I think uh, I think we probably need to invest in one of these guys and hopefully they can come good in the remaining 10 matches and we can probably finally strike uh, a good bowling combination just in time for the cup. Okay. So I think, guys, we covered quite a lot and this can start a series of podcasts as the World Cup approaches. You know, we can have a panel and, you know, we can have these discussions. But thanks for your generous time. You both prepared me with, you know, some in-depth analysis of Definitely India and Australia and some of the other teams. We'll try to break down, you know, with each episode as we go get closer to the cup, we'll talk about more changes and, you know, the informed players and predictions. But I think this is, uh, I think, good episode to set the process uh, going. And once again, I know it's pretty late in India right now. Uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, we shall do this, you know, uh, with more, you know, more, more of a frequency. So we can build upon some momentum for World Cup. Thanks for dialing in, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us.